Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Electric Factory Podcast. Happy Saturday, and more importantly, happy wildcard weekend. We have a full slate of NFL playoffs this weekend. Tons of great games coming up, and that's really going to be the gist of this episode. I'm going to go run through all the games, give you guys my picks, break them down, all that good stuff. So um, it's definitely sure to be a great episode, and it's going to be a great weekend of football. So let's get right into it with the game that's going to be starting in just under two hours at this point, um, the Niners and the Seahawks. Um, Niners are riding into this game on a 10-game winning streak. Um and then you got the on the other side of the ball, you got Seattle, who was really not expected to make it this far at all preseason. They were expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They uh, had a starting quarterback controversy between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. They went with Geno Smith. Obviously, that was the right choice. Geno had a phenomenal year, led the league in completion percentage. And for them, I feel like they made the playoffs. That's pretty much about as far as anyone could have expected him to go. So anything past that is just going to be icing on the cake. Um San Francisco played the Seahawks already twice this season. They went 2-0, beating them 27-7 and then 21-13. For San Francisco, you got Joey Bosa leading the way, who might be the best overall player in the NFL this season. He's going to run away with the Defensive Player of the Year, and um, he's really just a threat. You can't double-team him. He's a kind of guy that just, he's really like an Aaron Donald type that he just is going to get in the backfield all game long. He's going to wreak havoc, so... He's definitely someone to look out for in this game. Um, But the headline going into this game really is that there's going to be heavy thunderstorms all game long. And I personally think that that favors San Francisco. Um, For Seattle, I think their running game is a question mark. Uh, Kenneth Walker went through a four-game stretch this year after his ridiculously hot start, by the way. He went through a four-game stretch where he averaged 31.5 yards per game, which is not going to get the job done, especially in the playoffs. Um, I think Walker is going to be a star in this league moving forward. I'm really high on Kenneth Walker. I saw him play a lot in college, especially his senior year at Michigan State. So this isn't really um, any judgment on Walker's talent. I just think he's a young running back, and in his first career playoff game in the rain, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to produce enough for um, Seattle to pull off this upset. And then for San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's offenses are known for running the football, and now he's got multiple weapons with McCaffrey, Debo, and Elijah Mitchell, who's back. So that definitely um, favors San Francisco. If they're going to have to put the ball on the ground, they know how to do it. They're experienced in doing it, and Shanahan's got an entire playbook of run plays that will definitely be able to keep Seattle off balance. Um, George Kittle, another guy who's been playing extremely well recently, uh, he's got seven touchdowns in the last four games, and the tight ends look to be even more involved than the wide receivers in a rainy game, so look out for George Kittle. Him and Brock Purdy have definitely been building up some good chemistry lately. Um, San Francisco is 8-1 and one at home this season, which is a great record, and uh, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't, wouldn't carry through today. One thing to note about San Francisco, though, is that they did struggle in the, way, in the rain week one against Chicago. Um, they lost that game, pretty big upset at the time, albeit it was week one, Trey Lance was making his first career start, so I don't know if that's really an implication of how a San Francisco team, this San Francisco team will handle the rain, but that is something to note. Um, final thoughts here, credit to Geno Smith, great season, got Seattle to the playoffs, but I, I do think the run ends here. I'm going to take San Francisco to win this one, 
So that means that I've got San Francisco covering minus nine, just barely. And then the nightcap tonight, we've got Chargers and Jaguars in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, another team like San Francisco, very hot. They've won five in a row and six of seven. And the Chargers, on the other hand, look shaky against Denver despite playing all their starters, which was puzzling to me. First of all, why they played all their starters, and second of all, why they didn't look all that good against a Denver team that is nowhere near the playoffs. Uh, that's a concerning way to enter the playoffs, I think, because in the playoffs, it's really all about momentum, in my opinion. It's not necessarily about the record. The record really goes out the window. I think it's just whoever, whatever team's playing the best by the time they get into the playoffs, which uh, there's not many teams in the NFL right now playing better than Jacksonville. So the Chargers are going to be without Rashawn Slater, who's been out for a while, and they've been able to adapt. That's still going to be a huge loss. He's one of the best tackles in the NFL already in only his second season. So that's going to be tough, especially with Jacksonville, who's got a good pass rush headlined by uh, Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. Um, And they're also going to be missing their leading receiver in both yards and touchdowns, Mike Williams, who suffered an injury in that Denver game, which is again goes back to questionable why – the Chargers weren't resting their starters. They had nothing to gain in that in that Denver game. So questionable coaching there by Brandon Staley, who's made some questionable calls throughout his two years uh, at the helm in, in L.A. These two teams are nearly identical in points, four in points allowed. So I think it's going to be a close game. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Um, neither team really jumps off the page as a team that can make a Super Bowl run. They both have great quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that I think can be the quarterbacks of Super Bowl teams, but I just don't think that this is the year for either of these teams. Um, I think the X factor in this game is really going to be Travis Etienne. He's a dangerous receiver out of the backfield, which really just adds another layer to the Jacksonville offense that the Chargers are going to have to look out for that uh, a lot of teams don't have, but the Chargers also have that in Austin Eckler. So both both defenses are going to be on their heels all game. I just think that the lack of Mike Williams really providing a, a vertical threat for, ja, for uh, the Chargers might come back to bite them. I know a guy in Jacksonville. He says the city is pumped up for the Jags. I think the crowd is going to show up tonight, show out, be loud. Um, and I think that's really going to carry uh, – Jacksonville is going to be able to ride that to victory. So I'm going to take Jacksonville, pulling off the upset, 24-21, to 21, which means I'm going to also have Jacksonville covering the one-and-a-half points. Our first upset of Wild Card Weekend, Jacksonville over the Chargers. Uh, the first game of Sunday's schedule is the Dolphins and the Bills. Boy, could this game get ugly. <laughs> Skylar Thompson will be starting for the Dolphins, which we covered in Episode 3. Um, he's only put up 14.6 points per game in the games that he has started, which this will be his fourth start of his career, first in the playoffs. Um Similarly to what I said about Jacksonville last week, if I'm Buffalo, I'm going to stack the box and make Thompson beat me. He's clearly not a great quarterback. We've seen that already in all of his starts. And this Buffalo team is a juggernaut, so there's really no reason why the Dolphins... The Dolphins have no business winning this game. So Buffalo, all I think they really need to do to win this game is just pressure Skylar Thompson and force him to make plays because I just don't think he's capable of doing it. Um, all Buffalo, like I said, all Buffalo really needs to do is that, and then they have to stay away from the red zone turnovers, which has been a problem for them lately. We talked about this also in episode three, Josh Allen may have a little bit of a turnover problem, something to look out for, 
But if they stay away from the turnovers, I think they're going to be fine, especially in the red zone. They just got to put points on the board. They got to come away with points on most of their drives, and then the defense has just got to get a couple stops. I don't see the Dolphins really competing here. Um, the game's in Buffalo. Bills Mafia, you know, they always show out. So just another another thing going against the Dolphins here. I think the only hope for Miami in this game is if Tyreek just has one of his games, which he can have, but he's going to have to get wide open because Skylar Thompson is not the kind of quarterback that's going to be fitting any passes into small windows. So Tyreek's really just going to have to take over this game, get into the open field, make guys miss, and uh, have a big game to try and get the Dolphins on the board. But even he hasn't been able to do that in the last couple weeks against the Jets where they only scored 11 points, no touchdowns. Um. And then one note I had for Buffalo, for a team that's considered to be pass-heavy, Devin Singletary is only 70 yards shy of the Dolphins' leading rusher, Raheem Mostert. So that's also something to look out for. I think that Buffalo's run game is sneaky. I think it it can um, it can definitely be a factor in the game, especially with the way that Josh Allen runs the ball. Combined with the, him and Singletary, they've got over 1,500 yards rushing, which is around the level that uh, Derrick Henry put up this year. So... They've got rushing threats more than people will really give them credit for. So Buffalo is a team that I think can definitely uh, go deep into the playoffs. Um, Buffalo 7-1 and at home this year. The crowd, like I said, they always show up. Um, so I think that that's really um, really a, a telltale sign of how this game is going to go. Uh, I got Buffalo pulling this one out big time, 42-10. to I don't think this game is really close. Vegas doesn't think it's going to be close, but... I think Vegas is even low on the number, so I'm going to take Buffalo to cover the 13-and-a-half, and I've got the Buffalo Bills advancing to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, Giants-Vikings, another Sunday game, 4-30 on Fox. Uh, this Minnesota Vikings team is not the team that we saw in the beginning of the season. Um, I think that they got off to a ridiculously hot start, and I think I don't know if that was necessarily a fluke. I think they were playing good football. I just don't think that they can repeat that kind of that kind of performance late into the season. They they're playing a completely different um, style of football than they have at the beginning of the season. Um, these two teams matched up against each other on Christmas Eve, and Minnesota won that game, twenty-seven to twenty-four, on a sixty-one yard field goal as time expired. So I think this is going to be a very evenly matched game, as it was on Christmas Eve. I don't think that that game really showed that one team is drastically better than the other. Um. But one thing I do think is going to play a huge factor in this game is that the Giants play a game that I don't think is well-suited for Minnesota to go up against. Minnesota is more of a finesse team. They rely on speed outside. they got Jefferson. They've got Thielen. They've got Dalvin Cook, who's not really known for being a power back, let's be honest. He's even the kind of guy that needs to get the ball in open field and make guys miss. So they are a team that relies on speed, kind of like the way, um, the way USC plays almost, if you want to draw a college comparison. And then you got the Giants, who play a smash-mouth style of football. They don't ask their quarterback to do too much, as we highlighted in the last episode. Daniel Jones, he only threw for 15 touchdowns this year, but he limited the mistakes, and that's all they really ask him to do. They play a smash-mouth style of football with Saquon Barkley, and they really, they're they're known for pounding the rock. I think they kind of um, take the persona of their coach, you know, they got... Brian Dable, he's this big guy, this grizzly, tough guy, and that's kind of the way the Giants play. They get they get down in the trenches, and they're going to run the ball down your throats. Uh, I think the Packers really gave the Giants a blueprint for how to win this game when they really took it to the Vikings two weeks ago. 
uh, all they really have to do is control the clock on the ground and win the turnover battle. And you know Kirk in the big games, he's susceptible to throw a couple picks. So look out for that. Um, I think Minnesota matches up against a lot of teams that may be even better than the Giants, but they they match up against the Giants worse because, um, like I said, they're a finesse style of football. But when they match up against a team similar to them, they're very capable. As we saw, they went into Buffalo and beat them early in the season when Jefferson had like 200 yards receiving. But this is just not a good matchup for the, the, the Vikings, in my opinion. Um, even against the Colts, if you look, who the Colts are, everyone knows they're not good. They just lost to the Texans. Um, they're more of a run-heavy run heavy offense, and they went up 33 to nothing against the Vikings. And the Vikings eventually did come back to win that game, but everybody knows that's not the best the best game that the Vikings have ever played. So... I think that um, another thing about the Vikings is that they can't they can't continue to win these one score games. Eventually, their luck's got to run out. They've gone eleven and zero in one score games this year. That's a trend that just it's not going to go forever. That's the bottom line. It just it's not possible. So I think their luck finally runs out here. Honestly, I've got the Giants pulling this one out thirty one to twenty eight, which means I'm going to take the Giants to cover plus three. Uh, moving on to the final game of Sunday, the Ravens and the Bengals. In my quarterback rankings, episode three, if you guys listen to that one, I ranked Tyler Huntley as the 13th best quarterback in these playoffs. And now he is questionable to start. Anthony Brown, the quarterback out of Oregon, might have to make this start for the Ravens, which honestly, if I knew that when I was making episode three, I might have had him at 14 and I might have put Skylar Thompson ahead of him. I've not seen much from Anthony Brown that makes me think he can do anything to really even keep this game close. Um, they played this game last week. The Bengals won 27-16. This is a quick turnaround for a rematch. Um, and Brown threw two interceptions in that game, which is pretty standard stuff for him from what I've seen so far. He throws a lot of interceptions. So I think the Bengals... All they really have to do is play the same game they played last week, to keep it pretty simple. They forced him to throw 44 times, which is a blueprint that I think they, they should just do again. I mean, this guy, he's a third-string quarterback for a reason. He shouldn't be out there throwing the ball 44 times a game. That's not how you're going to win anything. So, for the Bengals, I think they just have to do the same thing that um, Buffalo has to do. Stack the box and really make Brown beat you, because... The Ravens also lack any sort of deep threat at the wide receiver position. They don't have any vertic- anyone that can really spread, spread the field, especially um, later in this season where Mark Andrews has been extremely underwhelming. He came out of the gates on fire, and he had a great start to this season, and he has not played up to his potential in the second half of the season. And then without Lamar, the Ravens really don't have much of a run game either. He was their run game. So I don't think that the... The Ravens' offense really is going to be able to do much here against Cincinnati because they lack weapons all around the field. That's the bottom line. They just don't have the weapons to keep up with with uh, Cincinnati, who's got guys like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon, the killer Jays. So I think the Bengals take care of this one pretty easily. Uh, 28-14 to 14 is the final score that I've got, so that means I'm going to take the Bengals to cover the minus 8.5 points. Um, and the final game, Monday night, the biggest game of the week, the game that I'm probably the most excited for, Cowboys and Buccaneers. You got this one. It's on Monday night. ESPN's calling it. You got Joe Buck and Aikman on the call, so you know it's a big game. 
And you got the the biggest brand in football, the Dallas Cowboys, going up against the biggest individual brand in football, Tom Brady. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, for the sake of this, for the sake of this analysis, I'm gonna throw the Week One game completely out the window. It's Week One. Week One is the biggest liar in the history of football, as we saw. I mean, the, the Bears beat the 49ers in Week One, so throw Week One out the window. And Dak got hurt, so that game means nothing to us right now. Um, Dallas is not very deep at cornerback, which could pose an issue. They got Trayvon Diggs, who can match up against either Godwin or Evans. But who's going to match up against the one that Diggs is not on? Tampa's got multiple deep threats, and I think that could hurt Dallas. Um, Dak Dak has a turnover problem. We talked about that in Episode 3. Um, to make a deep playoff run, I think that's got to change. He's got he's to play sharp. He's got to play pretty much perfect football because this is not a team that's a juggernaut. This is not a team that can afford the mistakes like a, maybe a Kansas City or a Buffalo could. So Dak's got to cut down on the interceptions. Um, the good news for Dallas is they've got two really good running backs, in my opinion. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Ezekiel Elliott as a person. I don't think I think he's kind of a chump, but as a player, I think the role that he's fit into for Dallas here lately is is definitely one that um, that complements their team a lot better than what they were trying to have him do, which was kind of be a bell cow. Um, insert Tony Pollard, and you've got one guy who's more of a bruiser, Zeke, who can get the job down in the red zone, and then you got Pollard, who's more of a speed back, who can make plays in the open field, maybe catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. Uh, a little bit of a thunder and lightning combo there. So that's the good news for Dallas. Um, defense is neither team's strong suit, especially as of late. Tampa Bay gave up 35 to Cincinnati and uh, 34 to the, the Niners recently, and then we saw Dallas's defense struggle against Gardner Minshew and the Eagles. So I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game, honestly. Um Dallas has a really bad track record in the playoffs. They haven't made the NFC Championship game since 1992. And then on the other side of the football, you got Tom Brady, who's pretty much the exact opposite of the, a bad track record when it comes to the playoffs. We all know the story. Seven Super Bowls. A um, couple noteworthy stats here that I thought were kind of funny is that Brady's won the Super Bowl in every other season since 2014, and he didn't win it last year. So what does that mean? I don't know. I don't think Tampa Bay is a team that can win the Super Bowl, but I would never put one past Brady. And then... Another fun stat is that Dallas is 1-6 uh, while wearing their blue jerseys in the playoffs, which is what they're going to be wearing on Monday night. This doesn't mean anything, obviously. I don't think there's such thing as really a jersey curse, but eh, it's fun. Fun to note. Fun to look at. Um, final pick for this game. I just I want to pick the Cowboys. I really do. I want them to get over the hump. It's better when the Cowboys are good. The NFL is better. The ratings are better. Everything's better. Because like I said, they're the biggest brand in football. But I just I can't I can't pick them until they prove it to me. Dak's gonna just end up making one too many mistakes this game, and I think Tampa Bay pulls this out, thirty-eight to thirty-five. It's gonna be an instant classic on Monday night. Um, you're gonna want to be glued to the couch for that one. So that means with the thirty-eight thirty-five prediction, that means I'm gonna take Tampa Bay to cover the two and a half points. Um, final rundown, kind of of my picks once again if you want to ride them we went four and two last week so hopefully you guys uh maybe maybe follow some of my picks again this week and we make some more money i've got san francisco minus nine against seattle jacksonville plus one and a half uh i think buffalo covers the 13 and a half against skylar thompson giants plus three in minnesota Bengals minus eight and a half 
and Tampa Bay plus two and a half against the Cowboys. Um, I think that's gonna wrap this up. But before we uh, before we go, I just want to say one thing. It's been great to hear all the positive feedback on these first couple episodes. I really love doing this. So um, thank you to all of you who have reached out. Thank you to the listeners who haven't reached out, who have just been listening to the show. Um, This is something that I really enjoy doing, and it's been great to hear that a lot of people enjoy listening to it. So um, that's all I really got for this episode. We're going to be back. The plan is to be back on Wednesday to break down all the wildcard weekend games and um give my thoughts maybe we'll do another list i haven't uh, thought that far into the future yet but it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be another good one that's all we do is put out good episodes here so um be sure to follow all the socials at electric factory pod on instagram at electric pod on twitter we have our tiktok which is up and running now at electric factory podcast on tiktok go like up those videos and um We will be back for another episode on Wednesday. See you guys then.